Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I'm a social media marketer, writer, and mom to three boys, ages five, three, and two. And I'm Terilyn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 11, 9, 5, and 3. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. Hi, everyone. It's Felicia. I'm here alone today. Um, I'm going to be sharing my birth story as well as some um, just tips and things that help me when I have a new baby, especially with other kids and on this journey of having four kids, which I always joke when I would see people with more than three kids that that is just the next level and I'm definitely feeling it and I hope that some of these tips can help you guys. So I'm going to start off with Wes's birth story and that'll be also my high five today (laughs) and probably my face palm. So as most of you know, we've talked about our thoughts and feelings and our experiences with birth before on our podcast. Terilyn and I have both loved the experience of being pregnant and giving birth. All of my births have been different. With my first, I had an epidural. He was posterior, which means they're presenting face, sending set up. So face up when they are born. And it, it does make it a little trickier because their um, wider part of their head is trying to come out instead of the part that is supposed to. And so after he was um, posterior, I kind of thought my body would tend to have our, my baby's posterior, but my next two births were unmedicated, no posterior. Um, and so I went to Wes's birth, not really thinking that was an option. Um, so on Sunday morning, the 14th, um, I started to have a little more than Braxton Hicks contractions. So they were just a stronger tightening and they were probably three minutes apart for about a minute long consistently throughout the morning on Sunday morning. And both my second Lenny and Sunny's burst had been really fast. And so I told our family, you know, I think it'll probably be this morning or this afternoon that we'll need to go in. Um, I had her at a birth center that's inside of our hospital. So um, pretty much a hospital birth. It's just a low intervention part of the hospital. Um, And so we kind of prepared for that, but I really wanted to make sure that the contractions were real and that they were strong. I prefer to labor at home. And so I didn't want to go into the hospital before we were sure that this was the real deal. And so we went on a walk, Parker and I, early that morning, and they never, the contractions never seemed to change in intensity. And so after that, we decided, you know, let's just eat lunch, have a rest with the kids and just take it slow. It was nice. It was a Sunday. We could all be together, but it was hard because there's no distraction from, oh, are these real? Are they picking back up again? 
<laughs> and I've never experienced, um, I know people have a lot longer of pre-labors than this, but my boys all, once my labor started, they were born within, you know, I mean, Lenny was about two hours and then I think the longest was like six hours with Cohen. And so I, I wasn't prepared for the kind of teasing that was happening all day. <laughs> and so after lunch, we decided let's go on another walk because they had picked back up when I was taking a nap. And so we went on another walk and they were still, I was still having these stronger, I would call them strong Braxton Hicks throughout the whole walk, but nothing that changed in intensity. So we went back home. We went to dinner with our family and Parker joked, just let me eat dinner and then I'll be ready. Cause he is really put to work in my births. He's my, my, uh, not certified doula and he's, he does all the pressure points and, <laughs> and so he just wanted to get a meal in. And during dinner, um, I started to feel the contractions change in intensity. I still wasn't sure though that they were strong enough to merit going to the hospital, but, um, we decided rather than wait until it's later in the night to kind of get our boys settled and then head over. So we headed to the hospital and luckily it's really nice in Utah right now. And so I said, let's just walk, excuse me, walk around outside and see if we can get them going a little stronger. So we walked around the hospital outside for a while. And at this point it was about 6.30 p.m. And I decided, yeah, I think they're strong enough. Let's go inside. And so once they got me all checked in, um, my doctor asked if I wanted her to check me. And I, I know everybody has different feelings on being checked, um, especially when they're doing an unmedicated labor. But I actually like, for me, it's like a competition. <laughs> I see labor as a very physical accomplishment. Um, and so the knowing of how far along I am really helps me prepare mentally. And so she checked me and told me I was about a seven or an eight, eight centimeters dilated. And I was so happy because I hadn't felt like the contractions were that intense. And so I was unsure. I thought I would maybe not be dilated that, that much. And so I was really excited. She, you know, they did some monitoring and they asked me if I wanted to get in the tub at this point. And I'd never done a birthing tub or labored in the water with any of my other babies. It wasn't an option. Um, and so I wasn't too concerned with getting in the tub. I wasn't too eager to, but I'm glad that they encouraged me to. They filled up the tub. <clears throat> and when I got in, I've heard people say water's like nature's epidural. And wow, it really, I, I honestly thought my labor had stopped when I got in the tub because it was so um, relieving. So I stayed in the tub for about an hour until I started to have the sensation to push a little bit more. And my doctor decided to check me to kind of see how the baby was feeling. And at this point, um, with my boys, when the pushing contractions start, I always feel it's a good feeling. My body feels like it wants to push. Um, and it's probably my favorite part of the labor. Well, I was feeling a lot different this time. I was feeling my body fighting against the pushing and it was a lot more, um, 
pressure and pain than I had experienced with my other two boys. Um, and so my, my midwife suggested I get out of the tub and see if some gravity could kind of help draw the baby down. And at this point she checked me again and I noticed her kind of checking me a couple times, which she normally wouldn't do until I was ready to push. And I found out later that later that she had thought that the baby had flipped breech and she was filling her like soft little bum. But it was actually once she like reassessed, it was actually her soft spot, which is right um, kind of on the top of their head in the middle towards their forehead. And so she knew that the baby was posterior. And I think that's why I was feeling that resistance from my body with pushing because it was just going to be a lot more difficult. Um, at this point, she didn't tell me she was posterior. She didn't want to worry me or distract me in my labor, which I'm really grateful for. So <clears throat> the pushing contractions progressed to where I felt like, okay, it's time to actually kind of push her out. And so they, I, I went, I stayed out of the tub that felt the best. And I, um, laid down in a side lying position, which I've never, also never, um, pushed a baby from that position with Lenny. Um, I, I always joke, your body kind of chooses the position you push in. And with Lenny, it was, um, all fours. And then with Sunny, it was a squatting position. And with this baby, my midwife, she suggested the sideline because that can help posterior babies. And so Parker was supporting my leg and I have always had the experience of having two to three pushing contractions before the baby is born. But little West girl wanted to take her time and, <clears throat> and the pushing was a lot more intense. It was definitely the hardest part of this labor, which in the past the pushing has been my favorite part. So I joke that the whole time I was pushing, my motto was never again, never again, never again. <laughs> it was definitely um, the most intense <clears throat> part of a labor I've ever felt. And it was I uh, pushed like real pushing contractions with her for about 10 contractions um, before she was born. And I had a little extra bleeding as well. I had a little abruption in my placenta and, um, but in the end, all, everything turned out great. She came, she was born and she didn't make a peep, but she was wide eyed and looking around and her color was really good, but it was cute. She didn't even cry when she came out. She was just observing and taking in everything. <laughs> it was really, she's a sweet, sweet baby. Um, <clears throat> and so a couple of things that a couple of tips and things that I've thought about after having four births and all of them being a little bit different is I think if you're going into your birth with any strong expectation of it being one way or another, that would be a good starting point for some thought work, journaling or meditation, because there's so much that can change and so much that can happen. And I think having and openness as you go into that is, um, it will, it will save your sanity with, if you don't have that set idea of what's going to happen. 
um, if you can go into it prepared for any sort of change, any sort of emergency, I think that's probably my number one tip for <clears throat> going into birth with um, your first child or even subsequent child children. I had to rework this um, thought pattern in my mind that it was going to go a certain way, even though I had had two fairly uncomplicated easier unmedicated births prior to Wes, um, I had to go into it knowing that anything could happen. And I think that really helped the outcome. Um, and also my, my mental stability after she was born, knowing that it didn't go perfectly and it was harder, but, um, we can handle the circumstances that we're given with our response. So that would be my first tip. Um, I'm going to take a little break and when we come back, I'm going to talk about, I, after having four kids, I have found some things to be extremely helpful um, when it comes to kind of regaining yourself and, and getting your household back into a rhythm that is good for everyone. And I'm going to share those after the break. All right, guys, so I wanted to share my top favorite tips for regaining ourselves after we have a new baby. And I like to think about how I want my kids to see me in our home. And I th think especially with a newborn, I have this tendency to lean towards stillness and peace and that they feel like I am the calm leader, which is really tough when we're having these emotional and physical changes. But I'm a true believer in mindset and setting those intentions and then changing our actions to match those. And I think any <clears throat> intention we have, any mindset that we strive for, um, if we can then change our habits and intentions to match, we can create that feeling. And for us, this year has been a little wild having a new baby. We have moved into a rental as we're deciding where we want to live. And it's been a lot of change and everything with um, COVID and the political environment has been a lot for our kids. And so my intention this year, and especially with a new baby, has been for them to see me as the peaceful still calm leader of our house and that doesn't mean that every day is peaceful still and calm or even every 10 minutes but it means that I am and I can hold that space and so that being said <clears throat> I would start my first um, self-care if you will exercise after having a baby is always some sort of breathing. You can take that into the next step of meditation. Um, but for me, I like to start with just <clears throat> some sort of intentional breathing in the morning during quiet time in the afternoon, which sometimes I include my kids on and also before bed. So in the morning, I like to um, be in the sunlight as early as I can right when I wake up. This has so many benefits to um, our hormones and our circadian rhythm, but also for me, 
it's just a refreshing way to start the day. And I like to do um, just a quick breathing exercise, whatever is your favorite. I like to do a quick in, slow out for about 20 breaths. Um, And this is before I'm doing any sort of physical activity. This is just to wake up my body um, and to help waken me up for the day. And then in our quiet time, I do some sort of meditation, just a guided meditation. And then before bed, as I'm falling asleep, because we all know that we're only going to get a couple hours at a time with those new babies. So I like to make them count. My favorite is um, a four, seven, eight breath, which is you breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of seven, and then breathe out for a count of eight. And this is a really calming breath that helps me fall into a deeper sleep in those hours that we're going to get before baby wants to eat. So that's my first advice is figure out what sort of breath work or meditation um, works for you. And I think that can really help recenter you as you start to gird your loins, if you will, but get ready to lead your family and also have a new baby, which is very tricky. Um, The next thing that I do is start to journal and create a space to figure out what is important. Each baby, this changes for me so immensely. And I think the first step is I like to find gratitude in this time. So right now, and this is a great um, exercise, even if you didn't just have a new baby, but in this hard time, having a newborn is hard and everybody's disheveled. What can I find um, that I'm grateful for? And so I like to do that very first. And then I, I try to fine tune my needs, what truly matters to me, um, what is most important. So for me, I, I get my journal and write, you know, everything that I feel like I should, trigger word, should be doing, have to do, need to do, want to do, what my needs are for me personally, what my kids' needs are, what my what Parker's needs are. And then I f- take out, cross out, filter out all the things that actually, truly, really, if I, th- if I meditate on it and think about it, do not matter. And you'll be surprised how many things you can take out. And some of the things I take out are things that I truly enjoy or love, but my my space that I have isn't enough for them. And it's very um, relieving to remove those things. So perhaps it's um, you do a deep cleaning every Saturday and that's just not going to be an option. You make homemade dinners, but instead you're going to switch to, you know, for the next month <clears throat> doing a little more semi homemade or you're going to order in whatever they are. Maybe you're going to take out, you know, you need to take out a sport for one of your kids or an activity that you do. Um, maybe you need to take some things off your plate with work, say no to some things. And this is prioritizing your why. It's not giving up on dreams. You might be putting some on the back burner, but it's creating that space for you to 
be able to feel whole and to heal and not feel like someone else is dragging you along telling you what you should be you should be doing so you want to prioritize your why and those needs and desires that are most 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 important and once you have that narrowed down um so for me i'll tell you my list of things are to have quiet alone time in the morning for myself to socialize with um, other adults to be able to get outside be able to use my mind so for me that's definitely this podcast researching and and talking to all of you guys and sharing it Um, and then also my physical exercise or health and all of those things once once I have those listed out then I can create a strategy with Parker so with your spouse or with other caregivers as to how you're going to be able to fit those things in and I can't emphasize enough that mental health um, and this is setting aside postpartum depression or anxiety all those things are you know others are another step and I think this process can help you with those things but um I'm not a doctor and there's resources for those, but I think creating this space for yourself and recognizing that not everything can fit inside of it is a huge first step. And then creating a strategy with your significant other or other caregivers who will be helping you to see those needs and understand how you can work together to um, create that space for you is going to be huge and give you so much clarity. Um, and then the next step of this process for me is shifting my mindset. Once I've set aside those things that are for me, then I like to, um, do a little work to see, okay, these are the ways that now I am serving my family. That's going to be a lot of sitting down in nursing time, even though I might feel restless. That's going to be a little more one-on-one attention for my older boys and even though I might feel like I want to clean up or just take a nap but if I can switch my mindset and see how serving my family is connected directly to my happiness and if I can connect those and find gratitude in those little tasks it makes it feel like way less of a burden And I hope that makes sense um, because it's hard sometimes to feel that way. It's hard sometimes to get into an I do everything kind of martyr feeling um, mindset. But this switch helps me immensely when I have a new baby to see that every diaper I'm changing, every spoon I'm picking up off the floor... Those are the little moments that build my kid's life. And so I like to switch that mindset and and be grateful for the time that I'm in. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, I have a little scratchy throat. Okay, so, so breath work and then journaling. Once I have those two down, I can work into a new routine. For me, with every baby, this has actually happened earlier. Um, with Cohen, I was just you know, first kid out of whack. I don't think I got back to normal routine for a month or, 
or six weeks. And then with every kid, it's creeped up. And with Wes, I really felt this strong urge about when she was about a week old. So on that, she was born on Sunday. So on that next Monday, I was starting to feel that urge to get back into a routine. And I would say definitely be aware of when you feel that. Um, Don't force it because that soaking up newborn um, rest period is so so special and you don't want this to feel like a burden. So once I start to feel that again, I like to start up a little morning routine. I started about 10 minutes. It's really not even waking up any earlier. Um, it's just when, you know, sometime in the morning after West nurses, I'll lay her down and do a little 10 minutes of breath, journaling, a rough plan for the day, and then a little stretching you know, might do some pelvic floor exercises and then kind of just wake up the house. I like to listen to a podcast and kind of um, get ready for my kids to wake up literally 10 to 15 minutes. But if I start there, I can gradually add on as she's sleeping more and it's it's uh, holding space for that habit. So I don't have to recreate that habit. <laughs> um, and then a couple other routines that really help me find calm and also confidence in being a mom and being a parent. And especially with, with this many kids, I like to feel in control. Um, just my personality. But if you are like me, a few systems that have really helped me are one, um, cleaning talked about the system that I've been using from clean mama a couple times. It's really changing the game. It's just small doable tasks and I feel like it's helped me stay on top of my house and that goes hand in hand with laundry. Um, food prep. So with with Cohen, I really prepped a lot of food beforehand to have ready and with my subsequent babies, I haven't. And this time around, I actually had someone else kind of do this food prep work for me, but in whatever capacity you can prepare healthful um, snacks, fruits, vegetables, whatever you can have on hand. Because when you're nursing, I know it's so easy to get starving and not get enough water. And when we're not physically nourished, it's really hard to care for our kids. So uh, if you're in Utah, I love the company Citrus Pear. They will do pre-made meals all just ready and delivered for you. So I will link them. But um, with lots of kids, that was the best option for me. But some sort of food prep really helps me. And then also for my older boys, um, I had a lot of you ask about this because I shared it on Instagram, but they have um, daily routines and chores that they do. And I like to use I just use a whiteboard because it changes so much and I found that any sort of printable chore charts just weren't customizable enough for what we were doing. So I just bought tiny little whiteboards on Amazon. I can also link those. They're like eight by tens and I just do a visual daily chart for them. And so for us, what that looks like is my boys wake up, they make their beds and they get dressed, they do their hair. And then they do their daily task, which 
for them right now, it is to put away the dishes that we had run through the dishwasher the night before and then load. We load as we eat on our dishes throughout the day, rinse and load from each meal. Um, and then after that, you know, we play, we do something fun in the day. They do a quiet time, which is usually about two hours in the afternoon where they're playing quietly or napping. And we have a couple episodes on, on quiet time and how to establish that. And then after quiet time, they do a tidy and this tidy is their toys that they've played with throughout the day. So this is about 4 PM to kind of prepare our house for dinner and to have an evening as a family. And they do a toy tidy at that time. Um, and having that rhythm in the day is really helpful for us and having a consistent time when they're going to be able to rest and be still really helps with their little emotions and all the feels that they're feeling right now. And then my last tip here. Um, oh, and sorry, I did have one listener question that asked during our learning time in the day, what my boys are learning. And because it's summer right now, and I just really prefer them to be outside um, and explore and free play. We're not doing any um, uh, repeated learning or any sort of um, strict homeschooling or anything like that. We are just, we read together as a family and then I just like to go off anything they're interested in. So if they're interested in honeybees, then we'll get those books from the library and learn about them. But I don't do any sort of um, programs during the summer. I just encourage them to kind of create their own learning during this time, especially with the new baby. So that's just what I do. And then my last tip, and we talked about this last episode, but I think it bears repeating if you're in this newborn stage, or even the first year of your baby's life, that holding your boundaries, even when you feel like, oh, maybe I should be giving in because it's a new baby and, you know, they're just going through these big emotions. And I think all of that is right. And it is so important to have that empathy for your kid. But if they are pushing you and they're pinging you and they are having all these big emotions and these big needs, I think for my kids, the the best um, the best response has always been acknowledging the emotions, empathizing with those big feelings. Maybe, oh, you want the baby to leave. You hate the baby. Not changing, not trying to change their mind. No, you love her. Da da da. You, uh, you're sick of being home. You want to go do more fun stuff. You want mommy to play with you on the playground. So you're acknowledging those big feelings with no buts, with no trying to change their minds. But then also holding those boundaries because those, your kids are looking for that still leader of the home, that calm acknowledgement. Yes, you're sad. We are still going to hold this boundary. Yes, you want me to hold you, but I'm going to finish doing the dishes until they're done and then I'll hold you. Yes, you want to stay up late with mom and dad. And even though I feel like, oh, maybe I need to give him some extra time. He's not getting enough attention. All of those things can be intentional connection points, times when you set aside one-on-one, one-on-one time. But 
the normal rules of your house, if you can generally hold those as much as you can and hold your self-care boundaries, I think our kids um, regulate and reset to their path a lot quicker if we are we are firm and we um, are sure of where we're coming from and sure of ourselves. <clears throat> I find that in my kids, it helps them get back to um, a little more of a normal state quicker. So I hope that helps. Um, I hope that sequence of finding stillness and breath, journaling what your intentions and priorities are, and then starting to work back into a morning routine and rhythms in your home while holding your boundaries. I hope those steps can help some of you. Um, feel free to leave any questions. You can, um, come and ask me questions on Instagram if you have any more about that or um, we love love hearing from from all of you with your questions in a review it really helps us and helps us um, find more parents and caregivers that might enjoy um, <clears throat> listening so thank you so much for those of you who have left a review and for following along I'm so glad I got to share Wes's birth story with all of you all right let's find the magic <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> <And> brown cows. <laughs>